chapter number 4. Romans chapter number 4. We'll dive into the message tonight. Does anyone need an outline? If you need a copy of the outline tonight, you get your hand up. Alfredo would love to help you with that. So, right, Alfredo? Yeah, he'd love to. He just, he knew exactly. He was just ready for it, ready to go. I don't know. It doesn't look like anybody needs one. Anybody? Oh, Belinda needs one up here. And Marion. All right, everyone else is good. Anybody need a paper airplane to throw, to make tonight? There's paper for it. Play tic-tac-toe, anything like that. Romans chapter number four. We're going through the book of Romans. Sunday morning, we're going through the book of Mark. Probably, if I was doing an overview of the book of Romans, I would probably skip over these verses tonight. But they're here, and I said I was going verse by verse through the chapters. And so that's what we're doing tonight. And we've talked about how righteousness is obtained. We saw at the beginning of this chapter that it's obtained by faith. That's how Abraham obtained it. There was nothing else. And you've got to understand, I don't understand today, there is much confusion in our world surrounding the matter of salvation and getting right with God. But it should not be difficult to understand salvation or how to get right with God. The only way possible is by faith in Christ. That's it. Baptism cannot save you or make you right with God. But there are many people that their denomination, their group that they hang out with, that's what they believe. There's many people that believe that you can add works to it. The Bible makes it clear we're not saved by works. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not any plainer than what the Bible says. Yet there are many, many, many religions out there that that's what they focus on. And I don't understand when the Bible makes it so clear. There are others that say you have to take of the sacraments, the sprinkling, the Lord's Supper, and you do some ordinances if you expect to get to heaven. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible's crystal clear on this subject. And you've got to understand something. You look every, people have so many different ways they try to get to God. But there's only one way. Through Jesus Christ and through faith in Jesus Christ. That's all it comes down to. But this world's always had a hard time with that. Still has a hard time with it. Even though the Bible's crystal clear. And the problem is in our world today, far too many people trust their tradition or their religion over this book. You have no religion and you have no doctrine without this book. This book is what matters, what it says. Not what the priest might say, not what the pope might say, not what the pastor has to say. Not what the rabbi says, but what the book says. And as we've looked at this, this is what Paul's attitude is. He just goes through and explains all that are guilty before God, which is everyone. The only person that ever lived that wasn't guilty before God was Jesus Christ. But then he took all of our guilt on himself. We're all guilty. doesn't matter if you've claimed to be a good person. Our goodness never adds up. We could never be good enough to get to God on our own. We've seen that. So we see that Paul goes from explaining these things. 
he talks about the fact that we're justified through faith. How was Abraham justified? His faith in the Lord. But now what we see here in chapter number four is Paul parks on a sacred cow of the Jews, circumcision. And we're going to talk about circumcision a little bit tonight. It was very important to the Jew. And in fact, they really believe, and even still to this day, a lot of them believe that without circumcision, we'll put it this way, if you're a circumcised Jew, there's no way you're going to get into hell. Because God wouldn't allow that because you're marked and you're circumcised. It's literally how some of them believe it. It's pretty crazy when you stop about it. Because that goes against what the Bible tells us. But you got to understand something when we look at the things, and as Paul talks about the blessedness of justification, about righteousness, about salvation, forgiveness, all the things that God gives to us, you realize today we are justified and we have his righteousness not because of us. We put our faith in him and he gives it to us. When God looks at Brian Pattison tonight, doesn't see Brian in his sin. Does Brian Pattison still have sin? Yes, he does. And a lot of it and more than he wants to have. And don't get to the place in your life where you get comfortable with sin. Don't do it. We sin. It's going to happen. All of us, okay? But you don't have to like it. You shouldn't like it. My sin is what put Jesus on the cross. Your sin put him on the cross. Sin's a big deal. So when we talk about justification, righteousness, salvation, forgiveness, they're all given to us free and clear when we trust Christ, when we put our faith in Christ. You see, Paul's trying to make it clear, no one's obedience to the law gets them any closer to heaven. It does not. But you see, people today still can't get this figured out, and Paul hammers at home over and over again here in the book of Romans. And when we look at these things, when we think about them, he tells the Jews that the law last week cannot save. Abraham was justified by his faith in the Lord. He proceeds to tell them, he goes on to say that circumcision doesn't get them to heaven. Because if the law or our works or circumcision could get us there, then what was the point of Christ? There was no point. Now you might say, we talk about circumcision a little bit tonight, how does the circumcision of the Jews apply to me? You'll see by the end of the message how we can put some things here, and we'll talk about it here in just a second. You know, for the Jews, their sacred cow would have been circumcision. Uh, you can read in the book of Galatians, and remember the Judaizers, those the, you need to be circumcised, and there's a big deal between the circumcised and the uncircumcised. You know, today in Christianity, it's not so much about circumcision, but we look at other things. We look at baptism or good works. It's putting anything before, before faith in Christ or adding to anything besides what Christ did for us. How is righteousness obtained? Romans 4, verse number 9. It says, Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or an incircum uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. You see those words, are just blah, 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 blah. they're all over the place, right? So basically what Paul's saying is, when was it reckoned? 
Was it when he was circumcised or when he was uncircumcised? What does it come down to? Keep reading. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised. That righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Aren't you? I'm thankful for that. And you might not understand all of what we just read right there, but I'm glad that Jesus died for the circumcised Jews, Jews and the uncircumcised Gentiles. Because we would be on the outside looking in. So we need to be thankful for that. We look at verse number 12, and don't worry, I'm going to break this all down for you, and you're going to understand most of it by the time I'm done tonight. You'll understand Jewish circumcision a little bit better too. Verse number 12, and the father of circumcision to them who are not circumcised only, but also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. Abraham was saved before he ever got circumcised. And we'll look at that in the scriptures and see how all that plays out tonight. Father, we thank you for the time that we have tonight in your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the truth of who you are. I am so glad tonight, and in all honesty, it makes my life so much easier to know that my salvation is not based upon what I do and what I don't do. Life is so much easier knowing that it's based on you and what you did. And I can trust you. Because I know in myself there dwells no good thing. But I know with you, you're my God. You're my Savior. You died so that I could have life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Number one, we see the plan for receiving, for, for receiving righteousness. The plan for receiving righteousness in verse number 9. Paul says, Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. When we look at this, the plan for receiving righteousness, basically, as we go through our notes tonight, I'm going to give you three points. With point number one, I'm going to give you the confusion that the Jews had. And then I'm going to give you the clarification on that. And then I'm going to give you, for point number two, the confusion that the Jews had and Paul's clarification for that. And then point number three, we'll see the real meaning of circumcision, and we'll be done tonight. Number one, we see the plan for receiving righteousness. We see letter A, we see the confusion that took place. Paul anticipated the objections of his Jewish audience and began to address the issue of circumcision. Obviously, the Jewish people attach far more significance to circumcision than we do in our day and time. For them, circumcision, it was a, it, they, it, it had to come, and to them, it was a mark of salvation. It was a big deal to them, but for us, it's merely a medical procedure that you decide for your young boys at the hospital a few days after they're born. And you pay money to have it done. We don't hold to circumcision like they did. And it doesn't have the meaning to us that it did for Abraham. And we'll talk about that in just a minute, why it was important to them. But there, there was a di there's a difference between it. You see, we do it more for an honesty today. It's done more today for hygiene. That's what it's done for. And, there was, and I think that God knew what he was doing when he did these things. And we'll talk about that. 
But for the Jews, it attached great meaning to, and it was important to them. One rabbi wrote this, and he said, Our rabbis have said that no circumcised man will ever see hell. That's how firm they were about circumcision. And a certain Jewish book made this following claim. Abraham sits before the gate of hell and does not allow that any circumcised Israelite should enter therein. A lot of Jews in this day and in Paul's day, and even today, they attach their eternal security to circumcision. Some Jews went as far to teach that if a man committed idolatry, God would have to supernaturally remove his circumcision so that he could go to hell. What some Jews said, it's crazy when you look at it and break it all down. The whole point is that for the Jews, circumcision was far more than just a simple observance. It was an entrance into living and a true relationship with God is how they viewed it. But that's never how God intended for it to be, which we'll look at at the end of the message today. You know, they were sincere about it. But just because you're sincere about something, you can be uh, sincerely wrong. And that's how they were. They were wrong on this thing. Why did they attach the meaning, such meaning, to circumcision? Maybe it would help you for a minute. And a lot of times, like I said, I probably would have skipped some of these verses tonight. But there's a reason why they're here. And why, you think about this, circumcision told the Jews three things. I don't know, did I put that in your notes, the three things it told? I did? All right, number one. His body was permanently marked. Once it was done, circumcision could not be undone. I think we understand that. This served as a permanent reminder for the Jew of their relationship with God. Number two, his body was privately marked. A Jewish male could live any way he pleased. He might serve other gods and live life to the fullest by indulging in sin and wicked things. But in all honesty, every time he undressed, he realized that he belonged to God. There was a sign behind it. And you got to understand something. Other people might not ever see or know that, but the circumcised man never got away from the fact that he was a marked man. The third thing is his body was, a pow- was powerfully marked. If a Jew were to commit adultery or commit fornication, he would be reminded every time of his relationship with God. And that was right there. In the most intimate and personal way, the Jew would be reminded of his standing with God several times every single day. We don't have that mindset when it comes to circumcision today. In Christianity, it's not about if you're circumcised or not. But people attach spiritual significance to rituals like baptism, communion, good works. And the bottom line is that people are confused about this matter of salvation and how you obtain righteousness. That's why Paul talks about these things. That was the confusion. Now we see letter B, the clarification. Now what Paul does is Paul takes steps to set the record straight. And Paul tells us again, without mincing his words... That Abraham was saved by faith, 
and by faith alone. Paul tells us, and we see that there, it was pure faith. Guess what happened? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. That's all there is to it. There's nothing to add to that. There's nothing to take away from that. Abraham was saved by faith alone. The Bible makes that clear in Genesis 15 and verse number 6. And may I just remind you today as a Christian, nothing has changed in the New Testament either. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not changed. It's always been the same. I know sometimes you'll hear someone say about salvation, well, in the Old Testament, they were saved differently than were saved in the New Testament. They were saved by keeping the law. No, they weren't because they couldn't keep the law. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, God is God and he will never change. So the way we get saved today is the same way they got saved in the Old Testament. And I know there are a lot of smarter people than me that disagree with that statement, but they aren't smart enough to see that God never changes. Pretty obvious. Abraham was justified by faith. That's how it works for us. Paul clarifies this. So the plan for receiving righteousness has nothing to do with circumcision. It has to do with faith. Number two, the pattern for receiving righteousness. The pattern for receiving righteousness. Verse number 10. The Bible says, How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. So when was it? When was he, when was he reckoned? Well, Paul makes it clear by the end of verse number 10. It was not in circumcision, but it was when he was uncircumcised. So what's the confusion here? There's another point of confusion for the Jews. If righteousness was reckoned to Abraham... Did it come before he was circumcised or after he was circumcised? Well, Paul clears this all up for the Jew. You see, as we look at this and as we tie it all together, people are still looking everywhere they can for a way to salvation. They don't look, there's only one way. But we see these, you see those bumpers, they don't seem as much anymore, but those ones coexist. Or I've heard someone say as I was witnessing to them, I'll go my way and you can go your way. And maybe we'll end up at the same place. You know, I go on a hike and on a trail. Yeah, you can go lots of different ways in Chino Hill State Park. and You can end up at the same place. I get that. On a trail, that works. But going to heaven, there's not a wide road to get there. It's pretty narrow. And there's only one way to do it in Jesus Christ. But this was a confusion for them. When did Abraham get saved well there's clarification to that how do you know the letter b you got the clarification to answer that question you need to look back at the story of abraham that's how you find out and when we do it becomes very clear to us that abraham was saved at the age of 85 that's when he put his faith in the lord genesis 15 and verse number six but I want you to understand something. He wasn't circumcised 
until he was 99 years of age in Genesis chapter 17. So the Bible makes it very clear that circumcision did not save him. He was circum. You got to understand something. He was circumcised after that fact. And so there's the clarification. You just need the Bible, and they'll point it out to you. And you think about this. Even though the Jews believed that circumcision was required for salvation, the very man that they revered more than anyone proved in the Bible that circumcision wasn't necessary for salvation. Everybody in this world needs to have that drilled into their head. Every child of God needs it too. Salvation never has been about what we do. If you get nothing else tonight, get this statement. Salvation never has been about what we do. It's always been about whose we are. That's what matters. Before salvation, whose are we? We're not children of God. We're children of wrath, even as others. Isn't that what the Bible says? When you get saved, you become God's child. As I said, salvation never has been about what we do. It's always been about whose we are. If we belong to God, then we're saved, forgiven, adopted into the family of God, and declared righteous. If we have not put our faith in Christ, it doesn't matter what you do. You're not a child of God. Period. The whole point of this section that Paul's going through is to let people know that salvation cannot be found in a rabbi's knife, in a baptismal pool, in communion, in church membership, none of those things. Salvation will always be and only be found in the person of Jesus Christ. Men are still saved today by trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's how it works. That's the Bible makes it clear. And what I want you to understand is, when you think about that, there's a couple great examples of that. Think about two examples that come to my mind. The first one is the thief on the cross. Think about the thief on the cross. This, do you have Luke 23? Do you have Luke 23, verse 39 through 43? And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we have received the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, what is this thief on the cross saying? Hey, Jesus, I believe you. I believe you're the one. Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. That, that stops a lot of religion. Jesus didn't from the cross pull out his holy water and sprinkle it across the way. This man couldn't have done any more good deeds. You know, sometimes I hear people, uh, we'll hear of someone who gets saved on their deathbed. Praise God that someone would get saved on their death. You say, well, did they really mean it? Or are they just doing it because they were dying? Or da 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 
None of your business. If the thief on the cross could be saved, anyone can be saved. And maybe it's that last minute that they need. Maybe it's just that little bit of grace God gives that last second, and that's what they need. But somehow we think, oh, someone's got to turn over a new leaf, do this or that. Do you realize that man never went to church? Not once. That man never sang in the choir. He was never baptized. He never did anything. But the one thing that mattered was he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He believed Jesus. That's salvation. That's why the Bible says, what did Jesus say? Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. That man got saved on the cross. When I think of him, man, anybody can get saved. Praise God for that. But then I also think of Judas Iscariot. The Bible tells us in John chapter 6 and verse 66, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Remember how this morning I was telling you how, yeah, Jesus had a lot of crowds following him? It gets to, it gets to this point in John where the crowds quit following him so much. Then Jesus saith unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are assured that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, have not I chosen you twelve? And one of you is a devil. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. This man lived with Jesus and talked with Jesus over three years. This man, Judas, was active in the Lord's ministry. Yet Jesus looked at Judas and said, you're a lost sinner. Why? Because it didn't matter what good Judas did. If you don't know and you don't trust that Christ is who he says he is, you're not saved. So a man who spent three years with Christ died and went to hell. Where a man who just saw Jesus for a few minutes on a cross said, Lord, remember me when you get there. And the Lord saved him. May I tell you tonight, the Lord was willing to save Judas as well. He was. He would have saved him. I bet, I, I would tend to think too, that if Judas, after he betrayed the Lord, would have said, Lord, I shouldn't have done that. You are who you said you are, and he would have gotten right. He would be in heaven tonight. But he didn't. And so you might look around, there might be someone who's so religious, does so many things, and we look at all this, you've got to understand something. It's not about what you do. It's not even about being around the area. It's about who you know. That's what matters. You need to know Jesus Christ because he is the door to salvation. There's no other way that it works. The plan for receiving righteousness, we see the pattern, and then we see the proof of receiving righteousness. Now Paul moves from defending his position on salvation through faith to telling the Jews how one demonstrates that he's a possessor of righteousness. There's two points that Paul points out. Number one, letter A. Um, Truman, what we believe. 
Okay, that's later on. Do you have uh, number one and two? Okay. You have an A and a B, so I decide not to give you all the things in your notes. I have extra here for you. This is extra for you tonight, okay? So before you don't do letter A yet, because we'll get there in a minute. But the proof of receiving righteousness, look at verse 11 and 12 one more time, and then I'm going to explain a couple things, and then I'll give you the last two little points, and we've got five minutes. We can do this. Have faith, have faith. And he received the sign of circumcision, the seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. The proof of receiving righteousness, one of the things you understand, circumcision is a sign. The rit- you think about this, the ritual in the flesh was to serve as a reminder to the Jews that they were in a vital relationship with God, and they were to demonstrate that truth by how they lived their life day by day. Let's say I'm going to Phoenix. It's about 300 and 360 miles, 370. If you want to be exact, you can pull out your phone and find it, but you get what I'm saying. If I'm going to Phoenix and I see a sign that tells me it's 360 miles, I get it. I go a little further, there's another sign that says it's only 320 miles. And then there's another sign that says it's only 200 miles. What happens is over time, that's what those values, those signs point you how to get to Phoenix. What does circumcision do? Circumcision is not a relationship but it reminded the Jews that they were God's children. They belonged to God. That was the point of it. Which is also, we see that right here. He said the circumcision was a sign, but also this, it was a seal of the righteousness of faith. A seal is something that is usually placed on a document. The other day, I did a ride-along with an officer here in town. As a chaplain, one of the things I do, my job is to help minister to our police department. And I love that. I just went in the other day, spent some time talking to different officers and things, and I did a ride-along with an officer. Well, it just so happens you get to see some of the crime that takes place in the city and all of that. And someone had two little grams of something they shouldn't have. Crystal something, that's all I'll say. And so what happens is when you go after someone gets arrested, and after they go to jail and all of that, you have to take the evidence and you have to seal it so someone else can take care of it. They write up all this paperwork, so on this person there were two grams of whatever found, crystal meth. They have to put it in the bag, they have to go find their sergeant, and the sergeant has to sign it, and in the presence of the sergeant, they have to put a seal over the envelope because so no one tampers with it. Because what's going to stop someone in the back or even the officer from taking of that? No, you put the seal on there. It stops you from tampering with something. And you think about this, circumcision was meant to serve as a reminder to the Jews. And you think about this, it meant that it was not messed with. It wasn't tampered with. I think circumcision was meant to serve as a reminder to the Jews that they were supposed to walk in humble submission to God. What was it? It was an outward symbol of an inward relationship. 
Circumcision was similar to what baptism is for us. Baptism doesn't save you. It just shows you something. Eric, come up here for a second. Why don't you help me with an illustration? This kid keeps growing. I don't... Are you taller than me? Oh, just about. Okay. You don't like being called up for an illustration, do you? You might be taller, but I can still beat you up. Anyways. <laughs> this is my... A while back, with losing all the weight, Caroline got me a new... Oh, stay up here. Don't, don't go away. Caroline got me a new wedding ring. And so it's a little smaller. And then with my psoriasis, the other one would mess up my skin. I have an allergic reaction to my wedding ring. So she got me this one that doesn't. I'm married to Caroline. This is the ring I wear. It's my wedding ring now. But I'm married to her. Could you look, give me your hand for a second? So is he now married to Caroline because he wears my ring? <laughs> nope, he's not. He's just wearing my ring. That's what circumcision without salvation was. Meaningless. Because what circumcision did, I'll take my ring back, thank you. You can go be seated. Sorry to use you for the illustration. But just because he put on my ring doesn't mean that he was married to Caroline. I'm married to her. This is a symbol or a sign for the world to see that I'm married to her. Circumcision was just meant as a sign. They were taking it as it means our relationship's right with God. It does not. Because your relationship gets right with God from the inside out. That's how it works. So what I'm saying is, is this, and if you look at these different things, you cannot be saved unless it's through Christ. Now, the proof of receiving righteousness, what is it in? Number, letter A, it's proven by what we believe. With all of that in mind, does the, uncircumc the uncircumcised Gentile, what Paul's saying basically in verse number 11, does the uncircumcised Gentile have a right to call Abraham father? Yes, if he has the faith that Abraham had in God. That's why. It boils down to who you trust in for your salvation. When the Lord Jesus stood before Pilate, Pilate asked the crowds, who, what shall I do with this Jesus, which is called Christ? The crowd responded by saying, crucify him. What's your response? What have you done with Jesus? That's what it comes down to. It's proven by what we believe and let her be. It's proven by how we behave. Verse number 12 and the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. Well, what about the, Jew the Jews? Does he have the right to claim Abraham as a spiritual father? Again, the answer is yes, but only if he has the faith that Abraham had. you got to understand something. The whole point here is that if you really Walk in faith, verse number 12 here, your life will show it. That's how James chapter number 2, where it says, I have faith without my works, but I'll show you my faith by my works. Must have been a shock for the Jews to hear that Abraham was made right with God 
even though it had nothing to do with his circumcision. Because Abraham was just as dirty as the uncircumcised Gentile. But he got to get saved because he trusted in Christ. See, what the Jews failed to realize is that before Abraham was circumcised in his flesh, God already circumcised his heart. And you could look at Romans 2, verse 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is the circumcision, which is outwardly in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And the circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, and not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. You know, friends, this evening, I'm glad I'm a Baptist this evening. I'm thankful for that, but you know what I'm glad I'm more glad that Jesus got me before the Baptist did. I know I'm saved not by the things that I do or am doing or am willing to do, but I'm saved because of who I'm trusting. That's what Paul is hammering home. So see, you got to learn some things about circumcision tonight and why the Jews held to it so much. And we just got to have it hammered more into our heads that that's not what saves. Jesus is who saves. Father.